we're in this series, Imperfect Family, and uh, the reality is, you know, we have our imperfect families, our own families, but then we also have, you know, imperfect church family. You know, God calls the body of Christ his family. We're all family. As a matter of fact, right in this moment, um, all of us all over the world are worshiping with our brothers and sisters, not only just in our style of denomination, but in other styles of denomination. That is our church family. We're going to share eternity with this church family. And so it's really cool uh, that we can have our imperfections and some of the things that make no sense. uh, But then at the same time, we can all be one and glorify God. And so both in our personal lives, things are imperfect, but also in our church. I was thinking about imperfect families uh, this weekend as I spent my uh, weekend with Jess's family, her whole family. (laughs) They all came over and we have these weird oddities. We have these weird oddities in our families that like if you're in the family, you don't think it's weird. But if you're outside the family, you're like, that's that's really weird that you guys do that. One of them for her family is pretzel jello. They take pretzels and put it in a thing and then put the jello all over it. So there's literally jello with pretzels inside of it. It's like somebody was like, hey, I'm going to make a pretzel dish and then forgot what they were doing and started making a jello dish and was like, oh, hey, we'll just serve it to everybody. As a matter of fact, that same person, that same person brought a dish, and I didn't make fun of her. She brought a dish this weekend that was brownies with cookie dough on top of it. And I was like, did you start making brownies and then start making cookies? Is this what you do? You just put two things together? But their family, they think nothing of it. Oh, pretzel jello, we love it. It's amazing. We love it. And on the outside, I'm like, you guys are imperfect. <laughs> church life is the same way. Like if you grew up in church or you've been around church for a while, there's a whole bunch of things that we do that you're like, oh, yeah, it's totally normal. That's not weird. And uh, I brought some memes to kind of point out how some of these things are really weird and we don't think they're that weird. So let's look at the first one. First one here, Jesus, table for 26, please, waiter. But there's only 13 of you. Yes, but we're all going to sit on the same side. (laughs) We look at that picture, we're like, yeah, that's not weird. That's not weird at all. (laughs) Next one. When threatened, the Pope can spray holy venom up to 25 feet. He's way more powerful than you think he is. He's really got a thing. (laughs) Another one here says, good luck breeding those lions. They're going to have a hard time multiplying. That's a bad children's book, whoever did that one. Very imperfect, very imperfect right there. I didn't choose that one, Daniel did. Just kidding, he didn't, but I'm going to blame him because he's not here. Next one, uh, love this one. Baby Jesus is going to have some wicked abs by the end of the season. He's just in a December crunch. He's just going <laughs> to take care of that. Next one here, Catholic contestant. I'd like to buy 12 O's. Glory. That's good, but not the word. It's not the word. Next one, when you start praying and someone, or when you start eating and someone starts praying, you'll have that, oh yeah, we're not praying, we're not praying, you start eating, and then someone starts praying, you're like, oh, oh, uh, so that was their last one, true one, your mom before church, your mom when you arrive at church. And all of you are like, I'm never going to be that mom, and you're that mom now, getting the kids ready, all the things, and uh, we'll call Jess out. I'll be like leaving. Sometimes I leave the building before her on Sunday. I'm like heading home with the kids. And she's like, I apologize for the house. It was a morning. So I think Jess falls in this category. Because it's just like the bumper video. I think family sounds like a swell idea. And then you're like, Lord help. But the Bible calls us the children of God. Sons and daughters. We're the family of God. Paul starts out a lot of his writings to the church. And he says, it's good that I remind you of these things. Because, you know, we just forget. We just get forgetful. We're forgetful people. And so Paul is like, hey, I want to remind you of this because there's value in what you're about to rehear 
about what you're going to look at again. And so today I want to do that. I, many of us have heard we're children of God. We're sons and daughters of God. We are a church family. And yes, we're imperfect, but God still uses us. Can I get an amen? Thank God that he still does. And so today I, I want us, you know, many of us have heard this thought before and many of us kind of know this, but I want us to, like Paul would say, remind ourselves of the power and the truth and the depth to the fact that we are sons and daughters of the most high. I know that sounds like church talk. That sounds like Christianese, but this thought of you are a son and a daughter of the most high, the creator of heaven and earth calls you his kids. That's a big deal. Can I get an amen? It's not like God was like, Hey, you know what? They're going to need some stuff to put on coffee mugs and shirts and bumper stickers. Why don't you call them the children of God? No, he said it because it's true and it has great power and meaning and significance to us as we follow him. Can I get an amen today? And so we're going to take a look at this. Romans chapter 8 verse 14 says, for those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. That's not a, that's not a, a, a simple, loose statement. That's a definite statement that we're, we're the children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption and sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we might also share in his glory. You know, if you grew up any amount of time in church, you would hear, I'm a child of God. Or even we sing the songs this morning where we're talking about being the children of God. And you kind of just go like, blah, blah, children of God. I'm a child of God. Maybe you grew up in it. But the significance in this scripture of like, not only are we called the children of God, but our spirit bears witness to this truth that we are the children of God. It is our identity. I'm having such a hard time in life watching the things that the children of God are identifying themselves with. Well, this is just my addiction and it's just my thing and I'm just going to claim it and I'm just going to let it ruin my life. That's not your identity. Your identity is a child of God who's an overcomer, who's been set free, who's been adopted and bought with the price. Are you with me? Well, I'm just, you know, my type, I'm just really insecure. And so I have a hard time letting God. No, no, no. That's not your identity. Your identity is that you were created in the image of God and you rule and reign with the creator of heaven and earth. Are you with me? And your spirit bears witness to this fact. And so we got to stop identifying with these self-defeating things because God has already done a work. Are you with me? We're children of God. And when we just let it be, I'm a child of God, I'm a son and a daughter, and we make it a thing, you're doing a huge injustice to what your spirit wants to bear witness to in you. I didn't preach this in first service, but scripture even goes on to say this, that we're called to be imitators of God. We're made in the image of God and he's calling us to be imitators. So we're called to be like God. Well, Jesus came and took flesh and blood, well, walked and dwelt among us. What did he do? Healed the sick, raised the dead, healed the blind. The scripture saying your identity is to be somebody who walks in the miraculous. And we're having a hard time just finding confidence for everyday living. (laughs) Are you with me today? Sons and daughters, our spirit, bear witness with this. It's even like John 3, 16. This is one of those things that we, 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 we hear sons and daughters, and we just kind of let it go over our head. Like John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. And the enemy's done a great job taking the power out of some of these truths. Yeah. You got to think of it in a movie. You're watching this movie, right? And it's like there's creation and then there's the fall. And then there's that epic scene in the movie with the Morgan Freeman voice. And then what happens? Well, then what happened is... God so loved the world. 
What a plot twist. There's so much power. And then he gave his only son, his perfect son. Whoa, mind blown. When we hear that we're sons and daughters, we should be like, I'm a son and a daughter of the creator of heaven and earth. And my spirit testifies of this. Are you with me today? We go, oh, okay, you know, my dad, he's a great realtor. Oh, man, my dad was killing it. You know, my dad, he's real. Or my dad, he builds cars. He built, He actually invented this thing for this. He's amazing. My dad is this. And, and you come up with all these things that your dad is. But then you say, yeah, my father created everything. Yeah. Right. And then he sent his son to die for every sin of mankind. Yeah. And then after that, he raised him from the dead. Yeah. And when he raised him from the dead, he then sent the Holy Spirit, whose power to help us inhabit and bring his kingdom here to earth. This is a big deal that we're sons and daughters. It's a huge deal that we're walking in, in this design and identifying with the way that God created us. Scripture says it this way, that the spirit you received, Romans said it this way, the spirit you received brought about your adoption and sonship. And I'll also put on there daughtership. Sons and daughters, this adoption was brought this for you. Now, the Jewish mind at this time, they look at everything in picture. So they would get one word and they would study this word. So when he says adoption, when adoption, adoption is being thrown out to these people, you've been adopted. They're like, all right, what does this mean in our time? So they would significantly dive into it. And we're going to do that too. The way that adoption worked at this time is it usually happened at a much later age. Some weird things kind of in, in the whole process of it all. But many times someone would be adopted because a family was maybe trying to continue a lineage and they need somebody to run this of the business or the trade. And so they would go adopt another son and they would do all these different things. But adoption happened later in their age. And so what would happen is the natural dad would come, the adopting uh, father would come, and then the son would be there and they would be in court and they would weigh the scales. They would look at all the different situations and there would be a price to be paid for this adoption. How many know that a price was paid for your adoption? And so uh, the first word I want to see that we would see used in adoption would be uh, emancipatio, which is where we get our word emancipation, which means to transfer or to deliver. It also means freedom from or liberty. How many know that we've been set free from something? Do you know that at one point we were bound? We were once stuck. We had no rights And we were once stuck in this thing called sin. Scripture says that we were born fallen away, right? We were born into sin. The scripture says that we were also, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory. But the scripture is teaching us here in Romans that someone came along and bought about our transfer, our delivery, and our freedom from sin. Paul said it this way. Paul said, you know, I hate my lifestyle in the sense that because I have sinful nature, I do things I don't want to do. And I don't do the things I want to do. He, he was bound, we're bound in sin, but God came and delivered us, brought us this freedom. I wrote it down like this. Sin once owned our rights, but no longer has ownership to us because we were bought with a great price. I thought about the ministry Grant Me Hope. Many of you are familiar with Grant Me Hope. They're an amazing foster care ministry that works with teenagers who are about to age out of the foster care system. Statistically, if a teenager doesn't get adopted, uh, when they turn 18, uh, statistically, they end up on the street. They end up homeless. The, the data just isn't good if by that age they don't find a home. And so this ministry uh, puts together commercials for them and runs ads and puts you know commercials about them in all these different states and is doing amazing work. But these teenagers, they would be sitting here, you know, like a little baby gets adopted now. They don't know what they're being adopted into. But these teenagers, they put together these videos and they say, oh, I would just hope to be adopted maybe by a family that I can do this. 
do that, have a dog, maybe ride a bike with, maybe do a thing. And when they hear of getting adopted, they say, hey, we found somebody, you know, who's going to adopt you. Their first thought is who and what and what kind of access am I going to have and what kind of life am I going to have? So when the scripture says that you've been adopted, your question should be, oh, what kind of life am I going to have? With God, the creator of heaven and earth, what kind of life am I going to have? Well, you're going to live a very fearful one, a very insecure one. It's going to be very tur- turbulent. You're not going to have very much. No, no, no. The creator of heaven and earth who walks in signs and wonders and heals the sick and raise the dead. And Are you with me? Your adoption is way more than what you think it is. It's way more than what you're, what you're allowing it to be in your life. Can I get an amen? The next, uh, that's why uh, the next word I want to teach you in this adoption, the Greek word uh, vindicatio, which means to vindicate. Uh, vindication is a word that we get through this. It means to this, clear all blame and suspicion. Uh, at this time when a young boy would have been adopted, at the time of his adoption, his debt, his judgment, and his failures would have all been destroyed. So if he came with any kind of debt, if he had any kind of judgments against him, and even if he had failures in businesses and in workforces, they would have said, hey, this young boy gets a whole clean slate. Why? Because he's now connected to a new father. Sin is no longer the one who's over him. He's now connected to this. Do you know that your debts, your failures, your judgments, all the things of your past, when you were found in Christ, all of that is vindicated. Amen. And, we, and we say, well, no, you know, you got to remember, you know, I'd really love to follow God that way. I'd really love, but, but, but this is in my past. You know, this is something I did. And God said, no, you're adopted. That's been vindicated. You've been made new. That's why 2 Corinthians 5.17 says it this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. You've been made new. I'm not up here to make light of, of things that we work through and the struggles that we have, but I just think that we're given way too much of a platform to our old lifestyles. Yeah. We're given way too much platform to our old habits, our old thought lives. That's why God said, renew your minds. Yeah. Right. Make those things new. We don't need any of that old because you're new through this adoption and this sonship that we're in. Can I get an amen? amen? I wrote it down like this. Too many Christians let their past keep them from their future. God's called me, and then you think, oh, but I always do this. I know God wants me to do this, but then this always happens. And God's got so much for us, but we're holding on to the past. I wrote it down like this. You don't have a past. You have a testimony. It's time you stop talking about your past and some of the issues and the failures and the holdups and the hangups. It's time you start reminding the enemy that now you have a testimony. What the enemy wants to use as a reason not to is the reason that God is going to. Oh, but, but this is the reason that I can't. And God is saying, no, we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. And we're going to use that testimony to actually do the thing that the enemy is trying to tell you you can't do. Why? Because your father, because we're sons and daughters, because we've been bought with a perfect price, because there is no doctrine of defeat against our lives, because we're sons and daughters. So for me, at this point, the question is, okay, now we know we're sons and daughters. What should we do? How should we operate in this What does it mean to me? So I brought four points, uh, or did I bring five? I'm not sure. I think I got six or seven in my head, but we'll see what we get into. (laughs) But I want to give some illustrations. I'm going to use my life. I'm going to use my life as some examples. I know people go online and they say, oh, we wish preachers would just stick to the word and go verse by verse and stick to the Bible. But I'm grateful that Jesus came along and he liked to share stories. I imagine Jesus liked to laugh and cut up a little bit. I mean, you know, the parables were him giving examples. He told a lot of stories. And so I think it's okay for us in church to use scripture and life example. Can I get amen? 
So point number one is this, because we're adopted, because we're sons and daughters of the most high, because the creator of heaven and earth calls us his own, we now have this, we have his presence. You know, in the Old Testament, before Christ came and died, there was all this separation. There was all this ritual. There was all this stuff that you had to do. But now, because he's our father and he's adopted us, we have God's presence. It's amazing in Luke chapter 11, uh, the disciples come up to Jesus and they ask him to teach them. Uh, He's like, hey, will you teach us? And there's all of these things that they could have asked him. They said, hey, you know, will you teach us to heal the sick? Will you teach us to raise the dead? Can you teach us how to control the weather? There's all of these things. But they actually say, hey, Jesus, will you teach us how to pray? All this that we're observing, we're going to ask you to teach us something. Teach us how to pray. And I think the main reason that they said, hey, teach us how to pray is because they they witnessed Jesus' pattern. When he prayed, people got healed. When he prayed... The sick became people's raised from the dead. Uh, They saw the power of his prayer life to his real life. So they thought if we can understand his prayer life, we're going to understand the signs and wonders that he walks in. Amen. Now, here's what's amazing. Jesus says, I'll teach you how to pray. He says, I'll teach you how to pray. When you pray, pray like this. Our Father. Every time you go to pray, what does he want you to have on your mind? He's your father. And you're his kid. Of all the things he could have said... Hey, when you pray, make sure you acknowledge me as the big deal that I am. So when you pray, pray like this, King of Kings. When you pray, pray Lord of Lords. When you pray, pray Savior of the world. No, he says, when you pray, I want you to pray our Father. Because I want you to understand that, that there's a presence here. I want you to understand you're my kids. And there's a, I want you to understand the power of my presence. Can I get an amen? Uh, I wrote it down like this. Prayer is a privilege of his presence. It's our privilege that we get to go before our heavenly father and spend time in his presence. I know he never leaves us or forsakes us. His presence is always with us. But I'm saying we get to go into these moments and it's our privilege to be able to spend time with our father. Our kids, we got three kids still. They keep making the cut. So we're still at three. And uh, we have a we have a four year old, a seven year old, almost 10 year old. And uh, our kids, they're spoiled brats, just like you're spoiled brats. Uh, you know, back in the day at Christmas, you know, you'd ask for the one big gift and then you'd get your stocking. That's like all you got one time a year. Your birthday, you know, you maybe get something. Uh, but now our kids, all spoiled brats, they get something for everything. They get something for Easter. They get something for daylight savings, leap year. They get something for hump day. They're always getting presents for stuff, you know. Spoiled brats, they got stuff everywhere. They got stuff everywhere. Kids got these toys everywhere. But it doesn't, I'll come home from work come home from work. They got all their toys. They got all their stuff. They got all their video games. What happens when the father comes through the door? They throw it all down. They come running. It's like velociraptors in our house. They're just (laughs) come running at me, pushing stuff down. Why? Because all of the stuff doesn't measure up to the presence of the father. And so the enemy's doing a great job saying, you need to buy this and get that and be into this and know this and do all the kind of stuff. But your heart, your spirit gives testimony to the fact that nothing is better than the presence of the father. And so we need to be presence people. If you came to our house, you would see, uh, we have this love seat and then we got a a couch over here. And when it's time to watch TV, I'll I'll, I'll like sneak over there with the kids and, uh, and I'll I'll get on the love seat and I'll kind of try to stuff pillows around me because those kids... (laughs) Even though we got a whole couch over there. Guess who's smashing me on the love seat? All three kids and both dogs. And then my wife's in the kitchen all upset. She doesn't get any time with me. She's pouting over there. All the kids are smothering me. Why? Why are the kids doing that? There's a couch over there. They got their own little beanbaggy things. They can go do all their own. What do they want? They want the presence of the father. 
Same thing last night. Uh, the kids have their most beautiful beds and they picked out the rooms they want and they got weighted blankets and all the things to help them sleep and all the stuff. And they're going to guess what I did last night? Slept horribly, horribly. You know why? Because that little four-year-old, she creeped her way upstairs last night and got in between the both of us. Why? Why does she want to do that? Her, her bed's much better. More room, all themed. Because presence. Yeah. Presence. She wants to be with the father in every kind of category. It's like every. She's a, why? And because presence. Nothing beats the presence. That's why the scripture says it this way in Psalms. In his presence, speaking of our father, is what? Fullness of joy. More joy than anything else you can experience. You could have hit that lotto. You could have done all the different things, but none of that is as full of joy as being in the presence of our Heavenly Father. Amen. So he wants us to understand and identify the power in being sons and daughters in understanding his presence. That's why the scripture says it this way. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Yeah. Complete freedom is when we're in the presence of our Heavenly Father. Point number two is this, when we understand that we have uh, the Heavenly Father and we're children of God, point number two is this, we have His provision. We have His provision. In this imperfect family, there's all kinds of imperfect things, but for us, as we're focused on the Father, one thing that comes from our relationship with Him is His provision. Uh, when I was a youth pastor, the teenagers used to say this to me all the time. They would say, oh man, being a Christian, are you sure, you know, why would you guys want to do that? It's so full of rules. It's no fun, and there's all these rules, and there's all the stuff you can... And I would always push back on them and say, well, actually, the Bible has more promises and provisions for your life than it has any rules or restrictions. And anytime there's a rule or a restriction in Scripture, it's just because God is saying, don't do it that way. Do it this way. It's better. So he's saying, hey, don't have sex before marriage. That's going to lead to heartache and hurt and trouble and pain. Instead, save yourself from marriage. That's the better way to do it. That's not him being restricting. That's him actually being loving. Are you with me? And so uh, same thing for God. God is a God who has so many promises and provisions. And this isn't a prosperity gospel point. I'm just trying to get you to see that you shouldn't have to walk in anxiety and worry and pressure and fear because you got a heavenly father who has provisions for you. Amen. Matthew chapter six, verse 25 says this. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or your body or what you will wear. Is life not more than food and body and clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can anyone add one day to their life by worrying or a single hour to your life? Think about this. He's saying, look, of all of the things, look at these birds taken care of by the heavenly Father, their creator. He's got them taken care of. How much more so is he going to take care of his sons and daughters? Yeah, but I don't know. In heaven, does, you know, has God seen inflation? What should we do? I don't know about the things. What you should do is not worry. Because it's not going to add any time to your life. Instead, what you should do is get in the presence of your father, who's somebody who has the provisions for you and can lead you and guide you. Can I get an amen? Well, we would need to tighten up and we should probably stop sewing and, you know, cut back on generosity and we should probably do this. No, what you should do is just get more into the presence of the father and let him lead you through it. Amen. We have a father who desires to give good gifts. Matthew 7 says that he gives good gifts to his children. In the same way, he's like, look, you got fathers who do this and this. How much more so does God desire to give us good gifts? James 1 says that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father. Our Heavenly Father has a desire to provide for his people. Many times people say, well, pastor, you know, the Lord hasn't blessed me yet. He hasn't just poured out the windows of heaven yet. I haven't seen it yet. You know, our kids, as much as I love to be extravagant with them, and I'm the worst. I really am the worst. I'm, I, I can't not buy them stuff. 
I go on Amazon if they're with me, and I'm on Amazon or I'm anything. They say, Dad, can we look up? And I know it's going to lead to me buying something because we never can just look. I mean, I'm talking like I go in the gas station and I come out with stuffed animals. Who wants a stuffer? <laughs> because my heart's desire is to give good gifts. But we've kind of changed into a time. You know, like we go into Target. Like, like we have like a pep talk. Like Jess and I were like, okay, we're not going to buy him anything, right? How strong do you feel? I feel pretty strong. I, I'm feeling weak. <laughs> you know, we're not buying him anything. And, and so we'll do good through the toy aisle. Like we'll get good through the toy aisle. We're like, ah, we didn't buy him a toy. Oh, crap. We forgot about the candy aisle on the way out. And the little four-year-old is like, please, sir, might I have a lollipop? <laughs> of course. Take the box. Get the box. <laughs> um, but we've also kind of grown because one of the things, one of the ways that I provide for them as a father is I provide for them opportunities to grow. They're at the age now where they're learning if they work for some stuff, they can get some money, and that opportunity is going to produce for them blessing. So in our house, we got the regular chores that they earn allowance for, and then we have some jobs for hire. So we put some things over here, uh, return dad's emails, return dad's phone call, you know, all the, all the bunch of stuff. And, uh, and so there's all this stuff on here. And I'm presenting with them an opportunity to earn blessing. Many Christians are walking around. When's God going to pour out the open to heaven? When's he going to pour out the window? And God's been giving you opportunities all along that you don't want to take because it's too much work and too much trust and too much stuff. And God's saying you got to learn to take the opportunities because they're going to grow something in you that's going to lead to the blessing. So as much as I love surprise gifts and all that kind of pouring out stuff, there's also times where our kids grow through opportunity. It's the same thing in our walk with God. Amen. Point number three is this. I have his protection. Because God's my heavenly father and he cares and loves his kids, we now also have his protection. He's looking over us. He's caring for us. Uh, we were at gymnastics, uh, and Car- uh, Caroline, my oldest, was doing her gymnastics, and I had Callie. She was probably three at this time, and, uh, and she's my favorite one by far. And so I had her, and she was with us, and they're doing the gymnastics, and there's a spot where the other kids play, and while the other kids are playing, um, Kelly comes over to me uh, after being over there. She walks over real sadly and kind of grabs onto my leg and has her head down. She's got this little lip going and she's so sad. I said, honey, what happened? You okay? Did you get hurt? What happened? And she said, no, that little girl over there said she doesn't like me and she doesn't want to be with me. I said, oh, really? Which one was that? <laughs> I don't care. I'll push a three-year-old. That don't bother me. I said, Is it? oh, it's the little ugly one over there. Okay. <laughs> what, did she cut her own hair? Look at that hair, do you? So I got out my Bible. You guys think I'm going to like repent? No, I got out my Bible. I found every scripture about hell. And I put a little sermon together for that little girl. And I went over, you messing with my kid? You want to find about hell? Have you ever heard about Lazarus? (laughs) I didn't do that. I didn't do that. But I was upset. If you've ever seen your kid bullied or picked on or or called something, that'll get you, right? That'll get you. And uh, my niece might be watching online, so thanks for this illustration. My niece had her boyfriend over, so like 15 and 16, 16 and 17, I don't know, you know, like, you get to my age, everybody's 12, you know, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, anyway, all the cousins were together, big family, pool party a couple weekends ago, and the boyfriend had come over, and uh, this girl, I won't say her name, but my niece came back out, uh, Jess's niece really, came back out to the party, she was all upset. She was all teenager upset, you know. And, uh, and we're like, what happened? And I said, oh, the stupid cousins. We were trying to say goodbye, and all the stupid cousins were messing with us, so he just left. And I was like, oh, I totally forgot about this. Goodbye 
that's the chance to get a kiss, right? And so they just totally messed up the kiss. And then all of a sudden I went, oh my gosh, like I got two girls. I got to get a plan for this whole goodbye kiss thing. Like there's a lot I really got to work on. Someone said to me between service, so like what age do you think is, what age do you think is okay for Caroline to date? And I, and I said, to date? When is she going to date? Like I don't, <laughs> what are you talking about? So I decided, okay, because I'm a heavenly, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm like my heavenly father, I'm a protector, I need to put some things in place to show that I'm here to protect. So once it's time for the kids to start dating around like 40, 45, <laughs> I'm just going to buy a bunch of t-shirts that I just keep bloodstained. So every time a boy comes over, I just always have a bloodstained shirt on, uh, hatchets laying all over the house, just, oh shoot, put that in a drawer, sorry about that hatchet. When they get in my car, oh, no, come on, I'll drive you there. The seat's got latex gloves with blood on them, rope, duct tape. Oh, let me move my stuff a minute. The goodbye kiss. Yeah, like you can go out there and say goodbye, but your little boy's going to have a red dot on his forehead the whole time. So you guys do what you want, but I'm ready. I'm ready. You guys make good choices. Because you want to protect them. Why? Because you cherish them. You cherish your daughters, you cherish your sons, you cherish your kids, and God cherishes us. David writes a song, which we get as a psalm, and he says it this way in Psalm 18, 16. He says, he reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me up out of deep waters, troubled waters. Verse 17, he rescued me from my powerful enemy, my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. God is our support. Our heavenly father is our support. Verse 19, he brought me into a spacious place. He rescued me. Why? Because he delighted in me. He cherishes us. You don't have an angry lightning bolt throwing heavenly father who's just out to get you and teach you a lesson. And you're No, you got one who delights in you and cherishes you and protects you. Even when you're walking through the valley, even when you're in the deep water, you can experience that heavenly father who cherishes you. Can I get an amen? amen. Point number four is this. He created you to know your identity. I kind of alluded to this earlier. We have got to be a people who know who we are as sons and daughters. You know, how many know if you had the rights to something because of your family name, you wouldn't be sheepish about that? You know, I always get a kick out of it when we go to Disney and uh, there's a certain time if you're staying at their hotels, you get to be in the parks a little bit longer than other people. And so your magic band continues to work past park closing. But if you don't stay at a resort, your magic band no longer works. Oh, well, our kids are like, is it past nine o'clock? Because ours are going to work and nobody else's are. What do they know? They know their rights. They know their identity. I got magic hours is what it's called. So they're running around putting out, oh, we get to keep riding rides. We get to keep doing this. Why? Because they understand. They identify that I got the rights to do this. We as the children of God, not in an ego or a haughty way, but you ought to understand that the enemy has no place in your life because of whose you are. And so he created you to know your identity. Romans chapter 8, verse 18. We're continuing to read in Romans 8. It says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. Creation waits. Think about this. For the children of God to be revealed. I mean, you know, we're going to read it here in a second. But Adam sinned and creation was ruined. 
said, you're going to plow the land, but there's going to be thorns and thistles. It's going to be hard. It's not going to be as fruitful. There's going to be this hard season. And creation is waiting for the children of God to be revealed. It says, for creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of one who subjected it, Adam, in hope that creation itself will be liberated from its bondage and decay, brought into freedom and glory of the children of God. Creation is waiting for us to step into our identity of the children of God. We are restorers of God's creation when we know who we are and we call the kingdom of God here to earth. The kingdom come on earth as in heaven. We are literally, creation is, scripture saying, groaning for the sons and daughters, the children of God, to find their place. You know, Mark chapter 16 says, preach the gospel to all creation. Creation is waiting for us to use kingdom words. Preach the gospel. Tell the truth. Line up your identity and your word and who you are and what's true to all of creation. Even creation is groaning for us to know ourselves. I wrote it like this. The devil knows who we are. Creation knows who we are. God knows who we are. It's time we discover who we are as sons and daughters. Can I get an amen? Uh, An example of this was um, it's sometimes possible to miss our identity to not identify with what's truly been bought and paid for. Uh, my son and I, we went to McDonald's, and I got him a Happy Meal. He had his nin- Nintendo Switch with him, and he's in the back seat. And uh, so I got everything out for him, and I'm driving, and I gave it to him, and he's playing his game. He's like, Dad, where's my Sprite? And I was like, I already gave it to you. But he's a male, and so he wasn't listening to words. He was just waiting for an arm to come back with a Sprite because he's playing his game. Again, Dad, I need my drink. I said, Charlie, I already gave it to you, dude. It's in your seat. Like literally in a cup holder, right? At his leg. <laughs> Third time. Dad, I said, I want my drink. Where's my drink? And I was finally got his attention. Charlie, it's already been given to you. It's right there. Will you just take a minute and identify that it's already in your life? Yeah. So many of you are like, God, where's everyone? God, when are you going to? It's already been bought and paid for. Yeah. Your identity has already been made available to you. It's already just put down the video games, put down the entertainment, put down the striving and realize that God has already adopted you as sons and daughters and your heirs with him. Can I get an amen today? I'll close with this. Point number five is this. He sees you. He desires to see you living up to your potential as parents, as a father. You know, one of the things all, all the way from the beginning at birth, you're always saying, okay, is this thing measuring up? Is this thing coming into what it needs to? You look at the ultrasound. You're like, okay, it's growing. It's living up to its potential. When they're born, you go through all the checks. Okay, can they, can they see? Can they hear? Can they do these things? And then as they start getting a little bit bigger, you're like, okay, can they talk? Okay, can they walk? And then they get a little bigger, and you're like, oh, I wish they didn't talk. I wish they didn't walk anymore. But you go through all that because I want to see them live up to their potential. Are they, are they you know, in school? Are they doing what they need to? Because you want to see them live up to their potential. It's the desire as the Heavenly Father to watch your children walk in their fullness. All that that this world has for them, all that their life and destiny and purpose has for them. It's the same thing with our Heavenly Father. But the world and, and also religion sometimes pitches God as a father who's actually restricting. Oh, he's angry. And he doesn't want to see you have any fun. And he wants to hold you to your bad decisions. And he's disappointed in you. And he can never use you because you're too much of a sinner. And, and, and this picture is like he's restricting and holding back and wants nothing to do with you. But we get a parable in scripture that gives us the complete opposite. It's a picture. It's a story that God wants us to understand 
what the heart of a heavenly father looks like. It's the story of the prodigal son. Story of the prodigal son, many of you have heard it, but it goes like this. There's the son who's in a very wealthy family, a very well put together family, and he decides he's going to take his inheritance. He's going to run off. He's going to spend it all. He's going to waste it all in reckless living. So he finds a time where he's living in such desperation, such terrible time that he's literally looking at the pig food, which is just the scraps of the other food. So the pigs get the junk and he just wants the junk of the pig food. He's like, oh, you know, I'm just desiring even at that point. He's such a bad stage of his life. He's like, I would just even be happy with some scraps of the pig food. Then he has this realization like, well, hold on. I have this father whom I left. He says, I wonder if I go back. He has servants. Maybe I can just get the scraps of the servants food. Maybe he'll have a little bit of mercy, a little bit of grace, a little bit of compassion. Maybe he'll, even all this messing up I did, all this stuff that I did, maybe he'll just give me a little bit of that. So the story says that he begins to rehearse this whole speech. Oh, if I can convince him, I'll say this, and I'll try to say this, and I'll plead this, and I'll try to convince him of this, and then just maybe if I say all the right things and do all the right things, he might acknowledge me, he might bring me back. Scripture says that on his way back, he's getting close to the home. And the scripture says that the father sees him afar, sees him off afar, which means this, no matter how bad you've jacked it up, you still have a heavenly father who's looking for you. The enemy may say, oh, you've gone too far. You've messed up too much. God don't care. You've made him mad. He's angry. No, no, no. He's looking for you right now. No matter how far off you've gone and how bad you've messed it up and how much you've hurt the family's name, he's looking for you even in this moment. So the scripture says when he sees him, he doesn't go get somebody to say, oh, go see what he wants. Go get the servants together and go see what this story is going to be about. No, the scripture says he runs after him because it's his son. Because for all this time, the father was struggling that his son wasn't living in his full potential. Oh, I wonder what he's doing. I wonder what choices he's making. I just want to see him living in the place that he belongs. So with tears, he runs and he grabs him. When he gets to him, he grabs him by the shirt and says, what are you doing here? You embarrassed us. How dare you come back to this place? No, he runs to him and he hugs him. He says, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad that you've come home. This is where you belong. I want to see you living in your full potential. Not settling for the scraps of this world, not settling for bottomless, bottom feeding living. I want to see you live in all that God has for you. Are you with me? Amen. So he says, come on, come on back, come on back. Scripture says that once he embraces them and hugs them and tells them how much he loves them, he then says, we're going to put together a four-year plan where you're going to have to prove yourself before I ever, no, no. He says, go get the best. We're going to throw a party why? Because God's heart is that you're adopted and your sins are forgiven. You've been set free and God's heart is for us. Can I get an amen? I thought about like for me, um, I don't like seeing my kids not live in their fullest potential. I want them to have everything. And so I have such a hard time grounding them. Like, all right, you're grounded for a week. And then by the third day, they're like, can I have it back? And I'm like, did you smile today? They're like, yeah. I'm like, okay, you're ungrounded. <laughs> you're ungrounded. My youngest, again, my favorite. Uh, she's grounded last week, Sunday. She's ungrounded today. So, but she's really into gum, bubble gum. And like, I'm a seven on the Enneagram. So everything's got to be over the top and fun. So when she started like, dad, I just want gum all the time. I was like, let's go on Amazon. I got her huge rainbow, the good gumballs, rainbow. 
I got her bubblicious, bubble yum, and we got so much gum. And um, and so we're, she does all these things, and we get gum. Well, she got grounded from gum, and uh, and she got grounded from gum, and I hate it because like it's fun to eat gum with her. And she, so she she comes to me, Dad, you know, tomorrow's my last day. I get to be ungrounded. I'm like, yes, because I want you to have everything that you. Do. And that's the heavenly Father. It's not, oh, I love to see you held down and held back and walking. And, and No, he wants us walking in our fullness, fullness of joy, full, everything we just preached. Yeah. Your heavenly father is so for you. You need to hear that today. Amen. As sons and daughters, he's so for you. Amen? Amen? Why don't we bow our heads and close our eyes? I'm going to give you the opportunity. I talked a lot about, and I'm almost done, just a couple more minutes, but I talked a lot about um, the adoption, being sons and daughters, if you're in Christ, you know, we're in this family, but many of you, uh, you're in here and you say, man, Pastor Josh, I, I haven't made Jesus Lord of my life. I'm not a Christian. I'm not a Christ follower. I don't know very much about that. Or maybe you once were a Christian and you've maybe like that son, you've stepped away, you've made some bad decisions and you're ready to come back to the father. I want to give you the opportunity to do that. Some people call it the sinner's prayer. Some people call it the prayer of salvation, but here's what I know. It's a life-changing prayer. It's going to feel simple. We're going to pray a prayer together. And you think, well, that's simple. But I know the spirit of God, when, when it bears witness, the word, I'll read it to you here in Romans. Let's just check it out. It says this, Romans 10, 9 talks about the salvation prayer and experience. It says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So if you're on that journey, if that's you today, you say, man, pastor, I want to pray that prayer. I want to pray that life-changing prayer. Um, all of us together are going to pray it out loud. I'm not going to do anything to embarrass you, have you come forward or raise a hand or anything. But right now where you are, between you and God, if you pray this prayer and you mean it in your heart and you say it with your words, I believe salvation is yours. Sin's forgiven. You're going to be spending your eternity in heaven with God. And your heavenly father is cheering you in. He's been looking for you. And so if that's you in your heart and you feel God calling you to do that, then pray this prayer as we all pray it together. Say, God, today I choose you as my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins and help me to walk with you all the days of my life. I believe you sent your son and he died and rose for me. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all give it up for those that prayed that prayer. If you're online and you prayed that prayer, or you're with us in person and you prayed that prayer, uh, we got a book we'd like to give you just down the hallway past the coffee bar. Our prayer team is back there. They'd love to get you that book. It helps you with some of your next steps and what it looks like to follow God and live a Christian lifestyle. And so we'd love to give you that for free. If you're watching online, you prayed that prayer and you'd like that book. If you text the word prayer to that number on your screen, we'll get one mailed to you. Uh, but great job on that prayer. I encourage you to, to do that, to walk with the Lord, see him as your father and experience his presence. It'll be powerful for all of us here. Again, as Paul said, hey, it's good that we remind ourselves. I hope that you take these points this week and remind yourself, hey, wait a second. I got God's provision. I got God's protection. I got God's presence. Are you with me? And, uh, and really put this into play this week. Amen.